Till that stone was moved for good For the Lamb that conquered death And the dead rose from their tombs And the angels stood in awe For the souls of all who come To the Father are restored And the church of Christ was born And the Spirit lit the flame Now this gospel truth of old Shall not kneel and shall not faint By His blood and in His name In His freedom I am free For the love of Jesus Christ Who has resurrected me children are dismissed to their regular Sunday school. We'll have Brother Malcolm once his mic has been affixed. Okay. Chapter 22 is our lesson this morning. Acts, Acts chapter 22. Before we uh, have the Ducanus boys come up to read, I don't know how that works. Thank you. We're going just to make a few introductory comments. Acts chapter, regarding Acts chapter 22. The, uh, what we have before us this morning as we continue through the Acts is a, uh, Paul's defense, Paul's defense before his people of the gospel. Now, I want to make just a few, uh, I think these slides may or may not help. I, don't, I hope they do. Um, where we've come to in this section is a, the last section of Acts is a break from the pioneer evangelism that is so often uh, noted in the Acts of the Apostles. In other words, Paul the Apostle going in and sharing the gospel with uh, uh, this city or that city, this person or that city, this synagogue or that synagogue, right? He's, he's, he's uh, seeking to plant churches, right? Pioneer evangelism, as it's often called. So, but here in this section, it turns from preaching the gospel to defending the gospel. 
Here, that's the first word when we hear the readers come up, and you'll see it in your own Bibles, hear my defense, right? And we take that phrase there, we want to find out who he was and what he had done. That's from the last chapter, when the, uh, the guard demanded, because of all the ruckus, demanded who he was and what he had done. And then um, we notice as we go on with defending the gospel, who he was and what he had done. I didn't know there were all those effects here, sorry. Hear my defense now. And what happens here, he's going to defend in various ways among different people, uh, among the pagans, among the religious, among the fellow believers and so on uh, as he goes in. Now, this is exceedingly important to get a hold of not necessarily just for what Paul did, but but for you and I do, right? If we believe the gospel, that's one thing. For Emmanuel, like we were singing, to come home to us and we come to a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus. But now, what about uh, going on to uh, defend that gospel among various individuals? What about our uh, fellow uh, uh, workers, uh, the, the employees that we're, we, we, we go amongst. Well, all through this last section of Acts, uh, we can see Paul defending what he believed before the various groups, before the pagans, the religious, the fellow believers, fellow citizens, which is our chapter today, among those that would persecute him. What about the materialists, right? Uh, the, think of that, you know. They, here, here was this group, we, we've already looked at it, they, they worshipped a god that fell down from heaven. Imagine, can you imagine worshipping a god that fell down from heaven? Uh-oh, my god just fell from heaven, let's worship him, right? Well, it, it, it sounds a little crazy, and it is. But, you know, in stark contrast to that, our god came down from heaven, right? For the express purpose, like we are hearing this morning, of saving you and saving me. So he's going to defend the gospel, and that's what we're going to look at uh, today uh, as we uh, go through. So I hope this may help a a little bit as we um, go through. Now, what we're going to entitle this uh, little meditation today is testimony. The word testimony is in the chapter. They will not receive your testimony, and we're going to get to that. But essentially, what Paul, as he's defending the gospel, he's going to share his testimony. Have you shared your testimony? Testimony of what? You know, I mean, I'm called in court. Some of us, you know, get called for jury duty and we have to, you know, uh, uh, judge things and testify and so forth and so on. And, and, or if we're called upon as a witness to testify what we've seen and heard, well, Paul had, in the words of the messenger servant of Revelation 19, the testimony of Jesus. That's what he had. He never had that before. He was a good Jew, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, but he did not have the testimony of Jesus. He could write to the Corinthians and say, he could say to them, the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you. In other words, the gospel had taken root in their lives. Now, some of us here today, I trust all of us, have a testimony of how the Lord appeared to us in one way or another, primarily now through the word of God, 
and we have come to the understanding like we were already hearing that I'm the sinner that Christ died for and I need a savior. I cannot save myself. And now I want to tell others what Christ has done for me. It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. The testimony of Jesus and has the gospel taken root in your life and it's validated before others. It's often said that I cannot be a root inspector. If Josiah tells me I, be, I be, believe the gospel, I can't see the root of that, but I can see the fruit of that by his, his language, his lifestyle, right? And so if you know the Savior, I, you know there should be evidence, there should be fruit. So as we, uh, we're going to read, I hope this helps as we read through. Uh, Je- Joseph is going to read the first half, Daniel the second half. This is what he says. I was where you are. I was called by God. I was called to be a witness. See if that helps as he reads through. In 21, verse 40. And when he had given him permission, Paul, standing on the steps, motioned with his hands to the people. And when there was a great hush, he addressed them in the Hebrew language, saying, Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. And when they had heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew language, they became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Sicilia, but brought up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God as all of you are to this day. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women, as the high priests and the whole council of elders can bear witness. From them I received letters to the brothers, and I journeyed toward Damascus to take those who were also there and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. As I was on my way and drew near to Damascus, about noon a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw the light, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all those Jews who lived there, came to me and standing by me said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour I received my sight and saw him. And he said, The God of our fathers appointed you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear his voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now, picking up in verse 16. And now, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. When I had returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another, I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen and your witness was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me, Go, for I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Up to this word they listened to him. 
Then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he should not be allowed to live. And as they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust into the air, the tribune ordered him to be brought into the barracks, saying that he should be examined by flogging, to find out why they were shouting against him like this. But when they had stretched him out for the whips, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, Is it lawful for you to flog a man who was a Roman citizen and uncondemned? When the centurion heard this, he went to the tribune and said to him, What are you about to do? For this man is a Roman citizen. So the tribune said to him, came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? And he said, Yes. The tribune answered, I brought this citizenship for a lar- I bought this citizenship for a large sum. Paul said, But I am a citizen by birth. So those who were about to examine him withdrew from him immediately, and the tribune was also afraid, for he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen and that he had bound him. But on the next day, desiring to know the real reason why he was being accused by the Jews, he unbound him and commanded the chief priests and all the council to meet, and he brought Paul down and set him before them. We forget everything else in our little lesson today. today sorry. If we forget everything else, we want to remember testimony. If we were to go around to each saint here, to each individual here, do you have a testimony? Paul's defense here in chapter 22 took an autobiographical form. He's going to unload his life story and how it was he turned from religion to relationship from ritual to reality. He's going to defend before his fellow citizens what happened, what changed. We're going to look at that. So if you forget everything else, testimony and how it can apply. We're going to, we're, we're going to hear more about his conversion a little later. But you know, <clears throat> it's exceedingly important to consider When God looks down on this tiny planet of which you and I live, he sees two classes of people, saved and lost. These are Bible words. Saved and lost. Holy, unholy. Believer, unbeliever. Just, unjust. Righteous, unrighteous. That's what God sees when he looks down and he sees the the people that dwell on his earth. You could be any religion in the world you want and be lost. We're going to learn that. We're going to learn that. So Acts chapter 22, there's a mob after Paul. Now, what would you do? There was a mob after this man. What would you do if there was a mob after you? You know, put up your defense. Take, take your, the lessons you had and try to defend yourself. Well, wh- what does Paul do? I don't believe this was a very small crowd. He had, a, he had an open air meeting, right? An open air meeting. What an opportunity to speak to so many of these people who he loved. It's a good thing to share your testimony. 
When's the last time you've shared your testimony with others? It's a good way, by the way, to, to, to witness to other people. This, let me tell you about what happened to me. Where I was, where I am now, and where I'm going. You know, I'm not lost. I'm saved. I know where I'm going. Oftentimes you talk to people. Are you saved? Will I see you in heaven? Well, I hope so. I'm making my list and checking it twice. I've got, you know, nothing like that. No, no, it's not any of that. It's none of that. I hope that doesn't shock us, right? No, no, salvation is not by works. This is going to be, serve as an outline for our chapter. and We'll just make a few comments as we move through in the next few minutes. The credentials of Paul. He's standing before his fellow citizens in Jerusalem. He has credentials. He has the evidence of authority. He has status. He has rights. These are incredible credentials that he had as he's going to defend the gospel. Notice what they are. Verse 1 through 5 of chapter 22. He was religious. Right? He was educated. He was educated. I was brought up at the feet of Gamaliel. Now, we know from the word of God that this man Gamaliel was held in high reputation from the other chapter. I think chapter four or five. And it would be like today, you know, I understand from extra biblical resource uh, resources that he, he was highly respected. It would be like sending, you know, uh, when, when you're, we're looking for colleges, you know, we go to the elite schools, right? We go to the Ivy League schools, Cambridge, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, whatever, whatever we have, Princeton and Harvard and Yale and all these things. You know, there was a good, solid education. You know, you have to really be bright to get into this. Well, Paul, evidently, there was some influence there, right? He was not only educated, he was very zealous. He was on fire. He was dedicated. How many religious individuals across the world have you seen that, that we stand in awe at their, at their works, but they can be lost? Paul was lost. He was not saved. He was doing all this. He had his, his, his credentials were impressive. And he had authoritative backing. Sometimes when you talk, ask people about their testimony where they are, well, you know, I've got the, the church of such and such and the university of such and such behind me. And, and they, they've given me a diploma. It's on my wall. God is not impressed. Not impressed whatsoever. He is no respecter of persons. Now, his speech gained attention because he spoke in their language. But notice he says, I was, he continues to say, I was where you were as he's going through his credentials here. I was radically religious, but this way, this way, verse four, this way was not for me. You know, that's, we've heard it this morning. You got your religion. I got mine. I'm okay. You're okay. I'm okay. You're okay. It doesn't matter what you believe. All religions leave to God, says the world. This way was not for me. But whatever the case, as he went through, we find in this little section, verse 5, he was an equal opportunity persecutor. Men and women, it didn't matter. He went and he dragged them out from their homes and bring them to be persecuted. 
Now, I know Paul was an extremist, but before we leave this point of verse 1 through 5, I just have a simple question. He was an extremist, couldn't stand Christians. I'd, I'd ask myself and yourself, what is your attitude toward the people of God? Do you enjoy the company of the people of God? I remember as a child, my mother brought this little cliche that maybe you've heard it, I don't know. Birds of a feather flock together. I never forgot it. There are some Christians that can't stand to be with Christians. I once read a track when I was little. Would you be happy in heaven? Tell me. Do you, do you enjoy the company of the people of God? Or, or, or who do you gravitate to on a day-to-day -day basis? Is it the saints? Believers? The righteous? The just? Just a simple point. Paul couldn't stand them. B, the conversion of Paul. The conversion of Paul. Saul of Tarsus, we're going to learn, not just here, but historically in Acts chapter 9. Later, he's going to recount it, Acts chapter 26. He turned, he exchanged Judaism for Jesus, right? He was a persecutor of the gospel. And then he became a preacher of the gospel. He moved from opposition to apposition. In other words, he was siding now. He was coming into agreement with what he once persecuted. What a marvelous change from preventing the gospel to promoting, from preventing the faith to promoting the faith. Verse 6, Paul received light from heaven. There was an external revolution because of the light, but there was an internal revolution as well. It wasn't just a, 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 a just a, a, a fantastic experience, but it, in, internally there was light because it caused him to turn to the Savior. Now, I would just like to say that it's, it has troubled me in the past. I don't think anymore. Look at the fantastic experience that God used to wake up this man, Saul of Tarsus, right? A light, a light above the brightness of the sun appeared. How can you ignore that, I ask? How can you ignore that? Sometimes in our area, you know, we're, we're standing outside and we see that guitar hotel over there. You can see that laser beam, you know, from all kind of distance and it's climbing up. You know, I wonder what the airplanes see when they fly over it. What an experience. But this is something far better, you see. Light above the brightness of the sun. What an experience. Now, what does God do that for everybody? I submit to you that he does in some measure. He gives light. He sure does. You know what John 1, 9 says? He gives light to every person that comes into the world. Okay? And you know what I, can I just tell you biblically why a person avoids the light? John three nineteen, Men or people love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. You say, oh, 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 oh that's not me. I don't, I, don't, I don't dwell in the darkness and my deeds aren't evil. That, that's for the rapists and the molesters and the murderers. That's not me. Well, listen, that's not the case. That's not the case. 
What are the evil deeds that keep a person from coming to Christ? It's those that don't come to the light. Every individual, no matter how moral they are, you can be called the church of Jesus Christ and, 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 and be far from God and not come to the light. That's an evil person, according to the words of the Lord Jesus. Those that do not come to the light are evil. That's a broad spectrum. We, we don't have time to go through all of that. But And then darkness. You say, well, I don't dwell in the darkness. Men love darkness rather than light. Well, there's darkness in every one of our hearts because it's the opposite of God. Sometimes when you ask people, are they saved? Are they believers? Oh, yeah, I've always been a Christian. I was born in a Christian family. It's automatic, you know. No, no, no. There's darkness. I'm separated from God. I'm in the dark and I need light from heaven. I need light from the word of God. Let's move on. Paul received light. Notice what the Lord Jesus said in verse eight. I am Jesus, the Nazarene. I think uh, Jesus of Nazareth. I think that's the only time that he that he used that expression of himself. Remember, it was on the cross. It was on the lips of others. Jesus of Nazareth. Right. He used it here. Revealing himself from heaven in this great light. I am Jesus, the Nazarene. That's a wonderful thing because, you know, I don't know everything about Nazareth, but it must have been a, a low, despicable place. Nathaniel said, you know, can there anything good come out of Nazareth, right? But Jesus identified himself. We've got to move along quickly. As we Now, in verse number 11, he could not see. There's two problems which face believers today as challenges to, to their obedience. Paul said, Saul said, what do you have me to do? And he was going to do it. But there's a couple of challenges that face believers. I couldn't see. I couldn't see. Sometimes, you know, we, we, don't, we, we have little, not little, sometimes we have real physical impairments. Lord, you know my situation. I, I, I can't obey you in this regard. The Lord does not give commands that we cannot fulfill. There was the problem of humility he had. He went about seeking some to leap. None of us, that's, that's a hard thing to do is humble ourselves. But here was Saul of Tarsus, educated as he was in this elite school, had to go about the, by the hand of Ananias. I just want to say before we part here that sometimes the hindrances in our lives to obey, obeying the Lord, what will you have me to do, are good things. Good things that aren't inherently evil. Remember what Adam did? The trees were good for food in the garden. They were good. And when the Lord came to seek fellowship, who was Adam? Hiding behind a tree. It's a good thing. And we hide behind good things in life so we cannot advance in our relationship with the Lord. Now, verse 16 just to make a brief comment there, rise, be baptized, wash away your sins. Baptism would publicly identify him with the Lord, with his people, but calling on the name of the Lord would remove his guilt and sin. By baptism, he would publicly and forever dissociate himself with those of whom he was speaking. With the same thing in Acts chapter 2, they were called upon to be baptized. By calling, I'd like to wait uh, your version there, read... Uh, by calling on the name of the Lord. That's the way the sins were washed away. Water itself cannot wash away sin. Water itself does not wash away guilt. Something like it was symbolic, right? We, when we go to be baptized, it's symbolic. Remember Pilate? He washed his hands. 
I'm not guilty of this man. When I become a believer, I understand that I was the sinner that Christ died for. And I, I receive Christ as my Savior. Now I want to obey him. Now I belong to Jesus. Jesus belongs to me. I want to be baptized, you see. And I follow the Lord in baptism. I identify myself with what Christ has done. He died. I died. He was buried. I'm buried. Don't leave me under that water too long, right? I won't come up. But I've died. And I'm coming up in the ribbon. A new life in Christ. Now, I want to say here that Paul was commissioned. This is very important. Paul was commissioned as well, starting in verse number 12. Specific commission, not Jerusalem, the Gentiles, the enemies, as it were, of those with whom he associated. Now you say, well, Paul had a commission. That's him. That's fine. Do you know? Do I know that every believer has a commission or a calling from God? Paul or Saul's commission was specific, right, to go to the Gentiles to preach to them from your, from your position and where you are. And this, just this subject of commission or calling is exceedingly important because there's far more to the Christian experience than just making a decision, getting my name on a church roll. If there's reality of faith, there will be the recognition of a calling from the Lord. God has a commission for every one of his people, not just Saul of Tarsus. We ask ourselves, is there purpose in life? Is life just a existence from day to day. How's it going? Well, I made it through this day. Now another day. Oh, made it through the weekend. Right? Barely making it from day to day. There is a specific calling for you and me here. Christ calling. Come unto me. Right? Come unto me. That's the first call. Is the call of salvation. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come, if any of you thirst, let him come unto me and drink. That's the first. Maybe there's some here this morning that have never responded to that call, have never come as an individual to the Lord Jesus and, and, and found that rest that only he can provide because he put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Well, that's the first calling. But what about those of us who know the Lord Jesus? There's a specific calling that each of us have, right? Walk worthy of the calling wherewith you were called. Every one of us has a calling, a commission from the Lord. It's all through the New Testament. And it's all through the Old Testament as well. I was reading the other day in Psalms, the mighty one, God, the Lord has spoken and he summoned the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Let's think about this. Here you are, here I am on planet earth. The earth is the Lord's. You agree with that? I agree with that. Now, what am I doing with what the Lord has given me? Praise the Lord. He sends his rain on the, uh, uh, the uh, 
the just and the unjust. He made his son rise upon the evil and upon the good. That's all good. But it's his. Paul said, what will you have me to do? That should be your statement and mine. If you know the Savior, respond to the call. Now, I was thinking about this. One of the songs we often sing with the children is, If the Lord makes you a plumber, be a plumber for the Lord. If the Lord makes you a... That's all, that all has its place, you know. And you could be the best technician. You could be the best typist. You could be the best deliverer. Whatever it is, that all has its place in the Christian experience. If the Lord makes you a plumber, you be a plumber for the Lord. All that is good. But the commission of God goes far beyond that. Sometimes we think, well, I've done my duty. That's all I need to do. Now I go home, kick my shoes off and relax. No, no. Do you know there's a building program going on right now that every child of God can participate in? Why don't we participate in the greatest enterprise on earth? The Lord Jesus said, I will build my church. What is your involvement? What is my involvement in that great enterprise where the Lord is building his church? Are you actively out there being a channel of blessing to others, trying to bring them into this wonderful family of God whose sins have been washed away? Who know for sure they'll be in God's heaven? Is my name written there in that page? White and fair, yes, it is. And you want be beyond that. You, as a Christian, have a spiritual gift to which you will give an account to the Lord for. The risen head has given you a gift. Not for me just to, you know, sometimes we think heaven just, well, well, I got my ticket to hell so I could just sit and twiddle my thumbs. I can't do it anyway, but anyway, we twiddle our thumbs, you know. I'm just waiting for the train to come. I'm waiting for an Amazon package to be delivered. Whatever. Right? We just wait. Is that what what the Christian experience is about? No, I have a gift that I want to use in the body of Christ, right? Beware of just wandering through spiritual life, otherwise unattached without any specific work to which you are committed. Beware. The Lord gave you a gift. The Lord gave me a gift. Lastly, regarding the contempt for Paul. Verse 22. They gave him audience unto this word and lifted up their voices and said away with such a fellow from the earth. Not only did they want him out of Jerusalem, they wanted him off the planet. Away away. They were too religious for him. Now, we might ask, why? Why did Paul even put himself in this situation? Why did he think it was worthwhile to address the mob? He was beaten black and blue, right? The the, the last chapter. What's wrong with you, Paul? Why do you do this? You know, the answer is he loved his people. He would he would write in Romans. I could be I wish I could be accursed from Christ for my brothers. 
the children of Israel. There's much more we could say about his, 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 the, the suffering that he endured here, but we won't m- remark on that now. I just want to tie it all together with testimonies. What was the result of this wonderful testimony? Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel has come, we were singing. I'm going to tell you that, that's what happened. Remember, we often he would go into the scriptures and reason about the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. Now he's telling them about his personal experience and how he met the risen Lord. He met God manifest in the flesh. And they would flock to him, right? No, no. That was the result. Away with this man. What will you do with Jesus, right? Old hymn goes. What will the answer be? Someday your soul will be asking, what will he do with me? When Saul of Tarsus met the risen Lord, he responded to him. He didn't ignore him. I've got my church. I've got my religion. I've got my authority. And that's sufficient, Lord. Listen, it doesn't stack up. You know what the Lord will say? He tells us ahead of time. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, we profess to know you. He's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. See, this is the wonder of coming into a living, a vital relationship with the living Lord. It's no longer just religion. Now, religion has its place. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this. James says, there's actions demanded by our relationship. But that doesn't save us. It's the coming into the understanding and receiving Christ as my Savior. I'm the sinner that Christ died for. Why wasn't there any conviction of sin here with the listeners? Why didn't they turn to the same Savior Paul had? Well, Paul did have advance notice in verse 18. They will not receive your testimony concerning me. How is it for you when you share your testimony in the neighborhood, co-workers, family? Do they respond? Here they didn't. Does that change Paul's salvation? Not one iota. Not one iota. You know, when Emmanuel came down, God manifest in the flesh. You know what it says in John chapter 3? No man received his testimony. No man received his testimony. But but praise the Lord, it goes on to say, he that has received his testimony hath set to his seal that God is true. He's confirmed clearly that God is true. Paul received the testimony of the Lord Jesus. And it changed him forever. It changed him forever. And he loved to declare it. 
I just ask you and I ask me, what is the topic of my conversation when I go to work? When I meet with other people, my, my, my crowd, when I meet with my crowd, you know. What is it? Is it something that doesn't matter, that doesn't amount for eternity? We can boast about anything we want here below, everything under the sun. Vanity of vanities, Solomon said, all is vanity. Paul received the testimony of the Lord, the risen Lord from heaven, and he loved to declare it. He loved to declare it. I was where you are, he said. I was called by God and I was called to be a witness to all people. Now, there's a, there's a great measure which that applies to every single one of us. I know Saul of Tarsus had a specific commission, but every individual child of God, we must think about this. Why would we not respond to the living God and read his word and come to that understanding before it's too late? And I've lived my whole life. Listen, if, if, if the light of heaven didn't come from Saul, he would have lived his whole life ignorant in the dark of, 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 of salvation. But praise the Lord, he revealed himself to him. He shares his testimony in a number of places. I was a persecutor, First Timothy. I was a blasphemer. But praise the Lord. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the chief. Can you imagine a man that wrote the New Testament, much of our New Testament, called himself the chief of sinners? That's the lesson today. Testimony. What will you do with Jesus? Neutral you cannot be. One day your soul will be asking, what will he do with me? The Lord appeared to Saul. He said, what will you have me to do? Has the Lord made himself known to you? And you understand that I cannot save myself. I'm lost. I'm guilty. I, I, there's nothing in me that can merit God's eternal salvation. Like that old song growing up. We try everything under the sun. And I can't get no satisfaction. But I try. And I try and I try. But nothing under the sun will satisfy. Only the one who is above the sun, you see. <laughs> the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Last verse, God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in my heart to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Has that happened to you? The same God thousands of years ago that called into existence this world, this earth in which I live and the whole universe around. Has he shined in your heart like he shined in the life of Saul? God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in my heart to give me the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. I trust that is so. And we have a testimony as we go out 
and about. Our Father, we thank you for this wonderful lesson here of the testimony of the apostle and, and the great strides to which he went on to serve you. And we pray that will be so in, in our experience, each of our experiences this morning, that we will learn from Saul. We will learn beyond that from the Lord Jesus and sit at his feet and, and hear the word like Mary of old and not try the, the mundane things of this world that offer no satisfaction. Oh, God, we thank you for the revelation of your word the living word, the Lord Jesus, and the written word, the word of God. We pray that it may be driven home to each of our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.